0: Repeat after me. Say, this is God's Word. She's going to be distracted the whole service now. <laughs> this is God's Word. Not Pastor Evan's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. I will hear the Word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, we thank You for Your Word. It's always a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. It's always directional for our lives so as we celebrate this time of the birth of jesus christ i thank you that this church will always honor him as our savior and lord as i step back now i thank you for the spirit of god stepping up to minister life to your people and i thank you that the word would have clarity conviction and power And so I declare in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives because Jesus always confirms the word with signs following. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today we're starting a series that I know will grow you in your knowledge with Christ. And your appreciation in what he has done for us through his birth and his life. So, over the next four weeks, everybody say four weeks. Over the next four weeks, we will be in a series called Noel, the the King with Five Names. Noel, the King with Five Names. And each week is going to build. ...on the previous week. And so I would encourage you to not miss a week. And if you miss a week, go to the YouTube channel and watch it. So if you're taking notes, our message title today is The King is Wonderful. The King is Wonderful. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And then we're going to read the NIV version of Luke chapter 1 verse 26. That was Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And then the NIV version of Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So let's jump right into this verse because this verse is really the foundation of our series for the next five weeks. It says, For unto us a child is born. Everybody say, a child. Unto us a son is given. Everybody say, a son. Now I'm saying that for a particular reason, uh, especially as we get toward the end of the message. It says, And the government... Shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Someone say amen to that. Now, did you pick up on the five names that were describing Jesus? Did you pick up on those? So over the next four weeks, I will go into detail about what these names mean and how you can apply those names to your life every day. So let's start out by first defining the word wonderful in that verse. In Isaiah 9, 6, I'm going to reread it, and then we're going to define the word wonderful. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called what class? Wonderful. Now, when you look up that word wonderful uh, in the Bible, it means marvelous. It means. Uh, A marvelous thing used to show God's acts of judgment and redemption. I'm going to say that again. This word wonderful means a marvelous thing used to show God's acts of judgment and redemption. Now, I also looked up this word marvelous in the dictionary. Here's the definition. Something that causes wonder, admiration, and astonishment. So they're pretty much lined together. So let me quickly give you a verse in the Bible that actually has both of these words, wonder and marvelous, in it. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 14, they're going to put it on the screen. It says, therefore, this was God talking, behold, I will proceed to do a what kind of work? Come on, class, what kind of work? A marvelous work uh, among the people. There's that word. Even a marvelous work. There it is again. And a wonder. There it is again. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish. And the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Now I only read you that just to show you that this word wonderful also means marvelous. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is marvelous. So Isaiah 9, 6, properly translated It's saying that Jesus shall be called marvelous, one who displays God's wonders, astonishments with acts of judgment and redemption. That's what Isaiah 9, 6 means. So I have three points today. Everybody say three points. I have three points that I believe will help you understand how wonderful and how marvelous Jesus is. So if you're taking notes, our first point, if you want to write it down, is he was announced prophetically. I'm going to show you how wonderful and marvelous Jesus is. He is so wonderful and so marvelous, he had to be announced prophetically. If you properly understand how God works, you will realize that when God wants something, He speaks something. I'm going to say that again. If you understand how God works, when God wants something, He speaks something. That's why in Genesis it says, let there be light. And what happened? Light came because whatever God wants, God speaks. Everybody say this with me. Whatever God wants, God speaks. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it confirms how God does this. The beginning of the verse says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Watch this. Even God who quickens the dead, watch this, read it with me, and calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, I love the Living Bible translation of Romans 4.17. This is what it says. That is what the scriptures mean when they say that God made Abraham the father of many nations. God will accept all people in every nation. Look at your neighbor and say, God accepts everybody. God will accept everybody, accept all people in every nation who trust God as Abraham did. Watch this. And this promise is from God himself who makes the dead live again and speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. See, when God is ready to do something, he's going to say something. Everybody say, when God's ready to do something, he's going to say something. So God knew from the jump, everybody say from the jump. Now, that, that means from the beginning, if you didn't understand my vernacular. God knew from the jump that his first son, Adam, was going to sin and separate all mankind from God. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says, For as in Adam, how many died? All died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In other words, when Adam decided to disobey God, he sent everybody into sin. Everybody, regardless of your race, creed, or color, came from one man and his name was Adam. And that's why you and I were born sinners. It has nothing to do with how good you are here on earth. There is nothing you can do good on earth that can cause you to deserve heaven other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So God had a plan beforehand because nothing ever takes God by surprise. He knew that the last Adam who is Jesus, was going to have to ultimately die for the sins of the world. And so 1 Corinthians 15.45 says this, And so it is written, The first man, Adam was made a living soul. Watch this now. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Pay attention. He didn't say the first Adam and the second Adam. He said the first Adam and the last Adam because we don't need no more Adams coming because Jesus did everything that was needed to do to satisfy the Father. So how was Jesus announced prophetically? Let's go to Amos chapter 3 verse 7. They're going to put it on the board. Because before God, when he wants something, he's going to speak something. And that's why I tell you, get your confession together in your personal life. If God had to speak something when he wants something, you're going to have to speak something when you want something. Amos 3 7 says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing. But he revealed his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now, the New Living Translation makes it even clearer. It says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. So when God is ready to do something, he's going to use prophets to speak forth what he wants to do. Amen. Amen. So he used prophetic voices in the Old Testament to prophetically announce the coming of Jesus Christ. And Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is just one of those verses. But there are several other verses in the Bible that announce prophetically the coming of Jesus Christ. Here are some of those prophetic voices that declare the coming of Jesus. In Genesis 3.15 it says, He is the seed of the woman. In Genesis 12 3 it says he is the offspring of Abraham. Genesis 49 10 says he, Jesus, is the tribe of Judah. Numbers twenty-four seventeen says he is the star that comes out of Jacob. Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen says he is the prophet greater than Moses. Second Samuel seven twelve says he is the son of David who will reign forever. Psalm 2, he is the Lord's anointed. Psalm 110, he's the king, the priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Isaiah 7:14, he's the virgin conceived Emmanuel. Isaiah 53, he's the silent, suffering servant of the Lord. Daniel 17 or 713, he's the coming of the Son of Man. Micah 5:2, he is the babe born in Bethlehem. And all of these prophetic words had taken place. And guess what? They had to ultimately come to pass because God God's word will never return to him void. And that's why John 1.14 says, And the word, what word? The prophetic word that had been spoken has, what's this? Became or was made flesh and dwelt among us. Everybody say he was now announced prophetically. If you have taken notes, point number two is, He was conceived miraculously. Anytime a prophetic word comes from God, it has to be spoken. And it's designed to come to pass. However, it must be conceived and believed by us on earth. I'm going to say that again. Anytime a prophetic word from God is spoken, it is designed to come to pass. However, it must be conceived and believed in the earth by us. And And this is how Jesus was born. Through a teenage girl named Mary, he selected her to conceive and give birth to Jesus. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to look now at the birthing or the conception, I should say, of Jesus. It says out of the NIV version, which is what I'll be reading from, it says in the, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel To Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, let me just explain. Gabriel was the one who delivered God's messages. And it says, he came to a town in Galilee, verse 27 says, to a virgin. Look at your neighbor and say, Mary was a virgin. See, many of us would have been disqualified to even help God. Praise the Lord. A virgin pledged... I had to throw that in there. A virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph who was a descendant of David. This virgin's name was what? Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found what, class? You have found favor with God. You will be with a child. There's that word I just told you to talk about in the first part. You will be with a what? Child. And you shall give birth to a what? There's those same two words over there in Isaiah 9:6. 6. And you are to give him the name what? Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom shall never end. How will this be? Mary said, since I'm a virgin, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come up on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of what class? The son of God, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her own age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. for nothing shall be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. This angel said or uh, what Mary said, may it be to me as you have said, then the angel left her. Now I'm going to repeat something that I said before reading that verse. I said that when God wants to do something in the earth. He's going to prophetically announce it. But you and I must believe it and receive it before it can come to pass. Well, watch this. What I want you to pay attention to is not just the message that the angel gave to Mary. I want you to also look at what her response was to make this happen. Notice she said in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Now, I like the King James Version better because it says, Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, watch this now, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary agreed with that word. And you know what happened? Conception takes place. And when you and I believe the word, conception of the word takes place in our hearts. She believed it. Conception took place. Now, see, this is where some people allow their carnal thinking to control a spiritual miracle. I'm going to say that again. This is where some people allow their carnal thinking to try to to control a spiritual miracle. Because some people would say, well, I don't believe in miracles. And so what I would say to them is, you don't believe in them until you need one. Now, what actually happened was a miracle to us. But what's normal to God, because, see, God only flows in the supernatural. Everything he does is at the super supernatural realm. So, listen, if you have a hard time believing that God can cause his spoken word to come alive inside of a person's body, then how can you believe that he created man out of the dust of the ground? If you can't believe that he did a miraculous birth through Jesus Christ, how can you believe that he created the world out of nothing? If you can't believe what happened with Mary, how can you believe that he parted the Red Sea and allowed the children of Israel to walk through dry land? How can you believe? If you didn't know or you say, well, manna from heaven, how can you believe any of that if you don't believe Mary? Well, this is why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 in the New Living Translation says this, and it is impossible to please God without what? Faith. Because the only way you're going to believe this miraculous conception is to believe it by faith. He says in Hebrews 11:6, 6, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So you may say, well, I don't know about that faith stuff, Pastor Reb. Well, you operate in faith every day. It's just that you're having faith in natural stuff. See, faith means to put your trust in. That's what faith means. And see, you put your trust in your car to get you here to church and you drove it here and you're sitting here now because if you didn't believe it would make it here, you would have stayed at home. You look at your neighbor and say, you had faith in the car. You put your trust in that seat that you're sitting in because before you sat down, I didn't see nobody checking the seat to see if the seat was going to hold them up. You trusted in that seat. Look at your neighbor and say, you trusted in the seat. You have faith on your job that, listen, that they will pay you after you work your 40 hours. You don't go and say, give me the money and then I'll work. No, you do the work and you get the money. Why? Because you have faith in your job. Look at your neighbor and say, you have faith in your job. Well, you know how to have faith. You just got to switch from just natural to spiritual. So when Mary agreed with God, a miracle took place in her life. And when you and I agree with God's word, And we put our trust in what was said. Miracles will take place in our lives today. Someone say amen to that. Listen, Jesus and Peter in Matthew chapter 17 verse 27 ran into an issue where they were expected to pay some taxes. And the issue was They didn't have Judas with them. Judas was Jesus' treasurer. He carried the bag with the money in it. Judas wasn't with Jesus and Peter at this time. And so there were some people expecting them to pay taxes because they were from a different town. And so Jesus said, and this is in um, Matthew 17, 27. He says uh, to Peter, Go to the sea, cast a hook, take up the fish that first comes up. And when you have opened this fish's mouth, you shall find a piece of money. Look at your neighbor and say, I could use a piece of money. (laughs) He said, you're going to see a piece of money. Take that and give it to them. Watch this. For me and you. Because see, once the living word, which is Jesus, spoke those words, all of the fish out there in that ocean had to now swim in its direction towards Peter. And Jesus' words happened to pick a fish that decided to swallow a shiny object called a coin. You say, well, I don't believe that can happen. That's why people fish today with lures. Lures are sparkly objects. Why? Because fish are attracted to them. And so this fish saw a coin at the bottom of the ocean and decided to swallow the coin. And Jesus said, hey, we need a fish to pay our taxes. That fish say, I got to find Peter. I got to find Peter. I got to find Peter. And not only did he find him, Peter pulled that fish up, took the the coin out of the fish's mouth. He not only got his taxes paid, but he got a fish basket too. So Jesus was announced prophetically. He was conceived miraculously. And if you're taking notes, here's our third and final point. He was born humanly. He was born humanly. Now, this is where you're going to need to take your steak knives out. Because, see, this point contains a lot of meat. If you didn't put fix dent on your dentures, I advise you to just <laughs> chew very carefully. I want to encourage you to listen with your spiritual ears and not out of your religious traditional ears. Now listen, when God made Adam, he was considered God's son, not just God's creation. I'm going to say this again. When God made Adam, he was considered God's son, not just God's creation. Let's look in Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Let me show you something. Because this is going to show us the genealogy of man. Now, I used to skip this stuff all the time. I'm like, I don't want to read so-and-so, got so-and-so, who's so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. But one day I decided to read it and I understood why I needed to read it. So now let me show you this genealogy that's going to help you see the human side of Jesus. It says in verse 23, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age being, watch this now, as was supposed the son of Joseph, because he really wasn't the son of Joseph. He was the son of God, but Joseph was just overseeing him. So it says, that's why it says, as it was supposed the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli, which was the son of Matthew, which was... The son of Levi, which was the son of Malchi, which was the son of Jannah, which was the son of Joseph. But let's drop down now to verse 38 because let me show you something. It says, Who was the son of Enos, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was the son of God. So Adam was the son of God. Everybody say, Adam was the son of God. Now, although Adam had God's spirit inside of him, He was made from the dirt. He was a human being. So when God gave Adam the commandment to not eat of the fruit of the tree, He told him, if you do that, you're going to die, Adam. Well, guess what happened? Adam did it anyway. Right? So now let's look in Genesis 2, 16. Because I want to show you what happened when Adam did that. In verse 16 it says, And the Lord commanded... Who, class? Who, Who did He command? So what was Adam? He was a man. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For the day you eat that, Adam, you will surely die. So now let me be logical for a minute. And after being logical, I'm going to be spiritual. So if a man was the one who committed the sin that threw everybody and mankind into sin. And that's why Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by this one man, then a man would need to be the one to pay for that sin. I'm going to say that again. If a man was the one who committed sin and threw all of mankind into sin, then there had to be a man needed To pay for that sin. And this is why throughout the Bible, the blood of animals never permanently removed the sins of man. Because these animals were not the ones that sinned against God. Are you all with me so far? So listen now to the Living Bible of Hebrews 10.4. It says, For it is not possible... For the blood of bulls and goats really to take away sins. That is why Christ said as he came into the world. He says, oh God, the blood of bulls and goats cannot satisfy you. So you have made ready this body. Everybody say God made him a body. He says, you have made ready this body of mine for me to lay as a sacrifice upon your altar. You were not satisfied with the animal sacrifices slain and burnt before you as offerings for sin. This is what Jesus said. Then I said, see, I have come to do thy will to lay down my life just as the scriptures said that I would. Now. So, the blood of animals would never meet God's criteria to remove sin. Did y'all get that out of what I just said? Okay, so the animals couldn't do that. So, now let's look back at something that we read earlier. But I'm going to read it now out of the King James. This is now verse 5 in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, Wherefore, when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings would you, we would not, you would not but a body you have prepared for me. Now, when Jesus came to this earth, he came as a human. He came as a man. Now, God prepared uh, for Jesus a body when he was born here. Watch this. Which tells us that he didn't have a body when he was in heaven. Oh, put your thinking caps on now. Put your thinking caps on. Listen to what it says. He says, a body you have prepared for me. So if God prepared Jesus a body when he was here, he didn't have a body in heaven. Jesus existed in heaven as the Word. And that's why John 1.14 says, and the Word was made flesh. Now listen, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it breaks down and says... And the Word was made flesh. He was the Word up there. He didn't need a body up there. He needed a body down here. So listen, if the Word was made flesh, then it wasn't flesh before that. I said, if the Word was made flesh, it wasn't flesh before that. Someone say, Amen. I know you're thinking, I know you're thinking, this is good teaching. So why am I explaining this this way? Because if Jesus, listen now, was anything other than a man when he came and died, then he would be disqualified to satisfy God's requirement for sin. It was a man that sinned at the beginning. That's who needed to die for the sins of the world, not an animal. And so when Jesus came, listen, because see, if you and I believe that Jesus functioned here as anything else, then we would never be able to function in our life with victory. Let me explain why. Because we would always carry these excuses that, hey, you know, wh- what I'm going through, Jesus, he don't really understand because he was God down here and, uh, and you know, he-, he had the power. Listen, the difference between uh, uh, you and Jesus is that Jesus' blood was divine. It came from the Father. That's what helped him to not sin because sin is in the bloodstream anyway, right? Well, watch what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says about Jesus. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weaknesses and testing. He's experienced it all. All but the sin part. So now christ in us the hope of glory this is why you and i can have victory in life because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world now when jesus died he sent forth the holy spirit the holy spirit dwells in everybody because when jesus was physically here he could only be in one place at one time but look how many now sons of god that god has in this room that can reach the world for jesus christ so jesus was god's representative his son his king on the earth watch this now but if he was anything other than being human it disqualifies him it disqualifies us now this does not mean he was not divine because the blood in his vein came from the father so jesus was royalty he was royalty he is the son of god And he's part of the Godhead. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the Bible, the next verse says, And we are complete in him. So his life was necessary because, watch this now, he became the bridge for you and I to return back to God as God's sons, just like Adam was. And that's why the scripture says, Watch 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is how many gods? One God and one what? Mediator between God and who? Me me and the man, Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. You know why I know you can make it? Because the greater one in you is in you to make it. You know how I know that you are kings and priests? Because when Jesus died, he put us all back equal now with the Father as far as sonship. So now... That's why it says, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How can I come boldly? Because my elder brother, my savior, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Emmanuel, God with us, he made the way for me. So I don't have to beg God for nothing. Why? Because I'm a son. Landon doesn't have that coat. He don't even have to ask me, does he want something in the pantry? You know why? Because he's a son. He's my son. He knows everything in that house is his. Well, when you understand your sonship because of what Jesus did for you, now it's not about, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you used to be a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner no more. You are a son of God. He was announced prophetically. He was conceived miraculously. And he was born humanly. Did you get something out of the word today? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. With every head bowed. Maybe there's somebody in this room who didn't even know that they were a sinner. They just thought, you know what? I, I'm a good person. I do good things to people. But now you realize you were born a sinner because of what your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather named Adam did. Well, what's the remedy? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. There's somebody today that needs salvation. What a
1: great time
0: to get saved. What a great time.